The next of my posts was called The Wail of the Consumptive Woman. As silent guests at this funeral dinner, we are given the opportunity to observe Katerina Ivanovna more closely than we ever have before, and she seems both more absurd and more tragic. Though we laugh at her quirks and wince at her cruelty, my impression is that Dostoevsky is forcing us to look beyond the surface of her behavior to the deep suffering of her soul and to feel compassion. There is so much about her that is ridiculous. There are the exaggerated praises she heaps on everyone she meets and paints in such glowing colors that she begins to believe them herself. And then, the abrupt disillusionment she suffers and the contempt with which she treats those whom she had previously adored. Forgetting, or not quite understanding, the extent of this trait of hers, I couldn't repress a momentary, Wait, what? when she introduced Raskolnikov as a man who in two years would be given a professorship. But, by the time she spoke of Luzhin, as a friend of her father's and a benefactor devoted to her family, I was less gullible, and rolled my eyes right away. She herself, however, had been so convinced of the truth of her own exaggerations that she was incredulous when he denied them. There is her desperation to cling to her roots of respectability and to prove to everyone that she is above her present circumstances, that she was not born for a life of sweeping floors and washing rags. It prompts her to squander the money that might feed her children on an extravagant dinner to feed ungracious and unworthy guests. It prompts her to vow revenge on the landlady simply because of her pride in her table setting and her ribbons. It prompts her to refer incessantly to her genteel past and to boast of an impossible future as the head of a boarding school for girls in partnership with her stepdaughter, the prostitute. It drives her to fits of madness and rage. And there is her foolishly naive belief in justice, her conviction that if Sonia is falsely accused, she can go to the Tsar himself for retribution, and her declaration as she stumbles out into the street, sobbing and gasping, that there is law and justice on earth. There is. I will find it. There is also so much about her that is spiteful and vindictive and cruel. She kissed Sonia's feet after driving her to prostitution and depending on her sacrifices. She celebrates the memory of the husband she admits to treating severely when he was alive. She turns with rage and contempt against those who shatter her invented visions with their reality. But I think we are meant to forgive her all this absurdity and cruelty, because it proceeds from a life of suffering and a longing for good. She wants to believe— in the reality of her dignified past, in the basic goodness of her fellow men, in the possibility of righteousness and justice. And also because, and this one is a little more difficult for me to express, it is the unrestrained, real, and honest expression of her soul. It's strange to call her exaggerated praises, false hopes, and desperate pretensions real and honest but in some way they are, 
There is nothing calculated and conniving about her. She is always letting fly the primitive expressions of her longing and her grief in the only way she seems to know how to express them. She has lived a life of poverty, pain, oppression, abandonment, and desperate illness. She clings to the memories of a happier past and longs to believe in the possibility of a happy future. Her mind has become unhinged by illness, but she still possesses an indomitable will. So, I think we are to feel a tender pity for her, even in her wild raving. But I think we would have to be numb and senseless to withhold our compassion in one particular moment. It is her passionate defense of Sonia, a long scene that I'm tempted to read again in its entirety. How she comes to herself, realizing what they are saying, and cries, You accuse her of stealing? Sonia? And flies to her side, flinging her wasted arms round her and holding her as in a vice, throwing the ten rubles in Lusian's face, shrieking that they will answer to the Tsar himself, and insisting that Sonia, far from stealing, would give away her very last penny. Even when the hundred-ruble note flutters down from Sonia's pocket, Katerina Ivanovna stands unyielding at her side, still unwilling to believe it, still defending her honor and her pure heart, crying that she would sell her last rag and go barefoot to help any one of them if they needed it. It is a moment of formidable wretchedness, and I would love to see a portrait of Katerina Ivanovna in this moment by some master hanging in the Met, that we might see before us the moment when, quote, the agonized, wasted, consumptive face, the parched, blood-stained lips, the hoarse voice, the tears unrestrained as a child's, the trustful, childish, and yet despairing prayer for help, unquote, awaken the compassion of even the most compassionless among them. I said way back when we met Marmaladov that Dostoevsky was saying, I know what you think you know, but look closer. We might think we knew Katerina Ivanovna, but we have been made to look closer still. And despite her absurdity and insanity, I want to fling my arms around her waist and hold her as in a vice. The last of my posts was called Portraits. This post is more of a visual one, so you will need either to visit the Facebook group, there's a link directly under the Crime and Punishment thumbnail on the app, or look up the works I mentioned by title. I said in my last post that I longed for a portrait of Katerina Ivanovna by some great master. So, I decided to look for one. Searching with keywords like madness, peasant, despair, along with art, I went looking for works that I thought captured at least elements of her soul. I found some. Until I met Luke Travers, former teacher at my school Van Damme Academy and author of Touching the Art, I was rarely able to respond emotionally to the visual arts. I connected with words. But Luke taught me a process by which I could forge that connection. It is the one he outlines in Touching the Art. 
It includes quickly browsing a museum for works that intrigue you, and then spending in-depth time with only a few. Doing readings of paintings, in which you inventory every detail you observe, and, over time, try to put those observations together into an understanding of the whole. And it involves identifying what sort of moment the artist is depicting, and trying to connect that moment to one that is similar, at least in principle, to an experience in your own life. Or you can connect it to a scene from a favorite work of literature. I love browsing a museum and finding my favorite characters on canvas. Perhaps not the literal character, though even that sometimes happens, but at least something of their spirit. So, I found a work by Czech painter Alphonse Mucha called Woman in the Wilderness. It is a perfectly heart-rending image of abandonment and despair that could be Katerina Ivanovna. And I found a work by Russian painter Nikolai Yeroshenko called Peasant. I think in its image of a ragged man with eyes downcast in despair or shame, it could be Marmaladov. Maybe you will agree, or maybe you'll find portraits of your own to share with me.